everybody, and welcome to another edition of the One Step Better podcast. I'm your host, Mike Schaefer, and with me, of course, is Matthew Patrick. And so really appreciate you guys uh, taking the time to listen to us today or watch us if you're um, over on YouTube. Uh, it's been a lot of fun kind of getting some comments through different channels and, and reading those. And uh, you guys are doing a great job of rating things and giving us feedback. And we really, really uh, do appreciate it uh, a whole lot. And so thank you. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for, for you know, joining us and being a, letting us be a little part of your day. It's, uh, it's been a lot of fun to be able yeah, to I do love this. It. I enjoy doing this. So, Matthew, question of the day. What is... The fa- your favorite item that you have bought, you purchased in the past, I don't know, let's say six months. Um, I was fortunate enough to buy a 1961 Corvette convertible. I knew that's what you were going to say. Hard not to like that. Um, yeah, I bought a, uh, a Corvette back in September, uh, a little of a dream car. It's the last of the first series of Corvettes, the first Stingray. It's pretty. It, it's prettier than it is fast, but it's pretty. <laughs> And Mandy's favorite purchase is a sledgehammer to go beat your car down. That's only when I, well, normally, yeah, no. She, she, we've actually got it in the garage kind of parked off the side, and she's kind of swerving in around it. I'm like, let me just explain something. If you hit it, it's not it's good. On, it's on. <laughs> yeah, don't hit it. I saw that you drove that here. I think it was Friday or I did. Thursday. I had to go take it to the shop yeah. again. And it was like 40 degrees, 50 degrees outside. And it wasn't top down. bad. It, it, it's, it holds the wind back pretty good. Um, my ears got a little cold, but it wasn't terrible. I did figure out finally how to turn the heater on, which took me nice. a little while. It has a heater. It does have a heater. It's not super awesome, uh, but it has a heater. But uh, it's a lot of fun to drive. It sounds really awesome. It has a um, two-barrel carburetor, so it just throws gas into the engine as fast as possible and sounds real throaty. It's great, but it doesn't go real fast. I mean, my, my, my SUV is a lot faster. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, my first car was a 66 Mustang, and... Uh, I thought it was the coolest car ever, but you know, you you hit the gas, pedal to the metal. It doesn't and just go. You, you don't give it a couple of seconds. And yeah, it, it'll start to pick up. But Mine's it a four speed. Have. From I mean, it, I've gotten it up to a hundred already. So that's a, but I haven't like let it go real much. It kind of shimmied at a hundred, so I was a little nervous. Yeah. Um, had a lot of work done on already. I mean, not a lot, but had some suspension work and um, alignment work, new tires. Um, it's an old car. I mean, the car's yeah. fifty years old this year so yeah when, with my mustang it, when you get it up to 100 the whole car started to shake yeah and it's like oh this feels like it's about to fall apart on the interstate. yeah it's it's really pretty car though it I mean, is, it's a uh, really really pretty car it's the, uh, the um uh black black with the white with the red, highlight uh gray uh what they call cove really chromey and a bright red interior so it's a pretty car it stands out yeah yeah it, it gets a lot of attention when you're driving on the street it's kind of awkward it's like I had a guy, uh, like I said, he followed me for five miles. He hopped out at a stop sign and then went around my car with a video camera while we were sitting, me and my daughter are sitting at a stop sign. I was like, hey, man, that's kind of kind of weird. <laughs> are you about to car check me or what's going on out here? But it was great. He's like, I love your car. I've been trying to follow you for five miles. I couldn't get you. Kept getting hung up at lights and stuff. I'm here. You mind if I take a video of your car? I'm like, sure. Nice to meet you. Anybody that wants to follow you for five miles. Yeah, it's a little weird. A little weird. No, it's cool, though. A lot of fun car. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, that's my best. What about you? What's your? Um, you know, I don't have like a 60 cool car. Mustang or a Corvette, 61 Must, uh, Corvette at all. I, you know, I haven't really made any big purchases in the past six months. The, you know, the, the thing that I did buy that uh, uh, I have really enjoyed more than I expected to, and this is a silly deal, but. Uh, 
AirPods Pro. Yeah. Uh, I, I, you, were I a have, Bo- you had the Bose head- headphones before that. I am a bit of a headphone snob. Yeah. And I have bought a lot of different types of headphones, in-ear stuff. Um, the, the regular uh, Apple earbuds, I hate. They're terrible. Because they, they don't feel right in they my hurt. ear. They, they hurt. hurt. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so I've I've had a couple of different pairs. I had the you know the Bose ones that um, were nice, but they they were, they were so heavy on the outside that they they kind of fell out. Yeah, they just they were big. Like clunk, they were, clunk, yeah, they clunky. were very clunky. And so uh, the pros are nice. We yeah we we bought some and I wish they like them. I want them all to switch between devices easier. Yeah, because we work on our computers, and so if if we're using our desk phone or our cell phone, that stuff needs to get a little easier. But now with uh, we use Zoom phones now, so it's a little better now. Yes, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, just, well, you can just use Zoom phone on your computer, and then you don't have to switch back and forth. I have my phone Zoom phone settings to uh, ring everything. Yeah, so it's, and so you're still answering through my calls desk you're still phone ringing. rings, my computer rings, my cell phone. It's like a wolf from the office. <laughs> everything rings at once. I'm probably getting a fax at the same time. Yeah, and uh, and if I pick up from the my hard phone on my desk, this one, one's everything still else one's is still, still ringing. Yeah. If I pick up from my cell phone, the other stuff shuts off, and so it's. Uh, you need to probably it's turn your wonky. desk phone off and just use your computer now. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I like the hard phone on the desk. I know. Uh, if you have earbuds on, you Just because it. it's, it's pretty, pretty easy to click. Yeah. But I get it. I can't, I can't hang up. I can't old school hang up anymore, right? Just you like, like really frustrated, mad. Boom. Push the button. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the same. Pushing that button yeah, hard, push though. Pushing that button. Yeah, it's not yeah. the same. That's a joke. That's what I think that's from a comedian. I may have stole that. If that was your joke, I didn't mean to steal your joke. <laughs> Copyright yeah. by comedians. Yeah, some comedians. Yeah. That. Yep. That's fun. Well, um, what we're going to talk about today is in no way whatsoever related to cool buying stuff. stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, we're going to talk about a really boring profession and some pe- boring people that do it, and that's accountants. Uh, and so, How to um, find your best nerd. <laughs> yeah. our, our conversation today is going to be centered around the idea that uh, every, every small business out there on some level, has somebody that they deal with in an accounting type role. Typically, it's an actual accountant. Sometimes it's a you know maybe your mother-in-law who thought they were an accountant. Sometimes it's a friend down the street who says they know how to use QuickBooks. But um, at some point, every every small business has to deal with somebody to deal with their financial issues, whether that is keeping the books or tax returns or payroll tax or you know whatever it may be. Um, and there's always some things that we, we really talk about internally a lot about how we interact with our clients and what we expect of them and what they expect of us. So we thought we might share a little bit of that and talk about what your accountant wishes that you really knew. Um, and so uh, hopefully you can glean some things here that you can take back and, and know, you know what, maybe I need to communicate better to my accountants. Maybe I need to have higher expectations of the people that are, that are helping me in, my, in the accounting role. Um, or maybe I need to fire my inter- my entire internal accounting team because they're all terrible. <laughs> um, so hopefully we'll come up with some some good ideas and some suggestions on how you can deal with your accountant. And so Matt, you've been an accountant for about a um, hundred years or so. Um, there. Almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got the greatest show it. Thanks, bro. Um, and I would imagine that you've learned some things uh, over your years where you would just simply say, "Man, I really wish you would know this." What are some of those things? Understanding uh, number one for us is our biggest challenge as a firm is not the actual work. Our biggest challenge is usually getting the stuff in the door. 
and then getting the stuff out the door. Sorry. Um, the challenge of getting stuff in the door is we ask something in a very specific format for a very specific reason. Our client reads half of that sentence and sends it to us. And therefore, it's not in the right format. It's not the right way we need it. And now we're having to read, get more stuff. Yeah. Um, also, the timeline by which we need stuff is just because you send me your stuff today doesn't mean I'm actually going to get to work on your stuff today. I need to have it in my whole system so I can work on it over a period of time. I have to schedule it. We have a lot of conflicting deadlines. Um, there's internal deadlines. There's external deadlines. There's statutory deadlines. There's um, just normal workflow like, hey, we want to get everything through a review process and quality control. Um, your staff person who you may be working with every day may have a year to four years experience, but we want to make sure that the right set of eyes get on it at the right time so that we are producing the work in an efficient manner, but also it has to be exactly right. And so um, understanding how that process needs to work, it, you can't get us your stuff on April the 5th and expect us to turn return a return, uh, tax return. We may have 500 tax returns still in our door already when you drop your stuff on, on April yeah. 5th. And so like understanding what our timelines need to be. We've asked for your stuff, you know, in February for a reason, you know, so we can get to it in three or four weeks, not, you know, now. Now, that's obviously the, the basics of just getting stuff in the door. From the actual understanding of the accounting, I wish people understand more what they're actually looking at and ask more questions. And so that's where it starts for us is, I, we need you guys to ask the questions that you're afraid to ask. We don't want to uh, be condescending to you about what you know or don't know, but also we want to make sure we're explaining stuff properly. And if you don't, even if we're explaining it once, we may be putting it in accounting ease as opposed to English. And so we want you to ask the question again. And it's perfectly fine to ask that question again. I would encourage it over and over again until you understand it because these are your numbers that you have to use as a tool to make decisions from. And from the tax return side, you're signing under penalties of perjury, which means jail, that you know what you're signing. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, a, it's amazing how often we get a blind signature on tax return that they don't even ask any questions on. And I'm like, hey, you need to ask some questions here. This is what, you're, this, is what this is for. Um, and so that part, um, people are afraid to ask the right questions or ask questions yeah. at all. You, you mentioned um, data is important. And this is where uh, accountants are nerdy by nature and need to be because the type of data we get is critically important, mm -hmm. not just what, what the information is. And so, you know, if you send me a, a bank statement in a PDF, that is a completely different answer than if you sent me a bank statement that is Excel. Uh, in Excel. And, you know, I have more flexibility around what I can do with that. A bank mm -hmm. statement is probably not the greatest example, but, you know, a check register. Yep. If, if you're sending me copies of a checkbook stub, you know, that's a different answer than if that was in Excel. Those little things make the world of difference. And so whenever, whenever our team says, hey, can you send me XYZ in this format, the format is in a lot of ways, as just, just as important as the actual information that's being presented in that document, whatever it is. Yeah, well, also the other challenge we run into, we ask for four things and we'll get them in four separate times. And so you just took the risk of, did we see all those four emails? Did we get all those things in the right format? Now we saw, we, we saw your first email and we looked at, oh, we still have the other three, so we have to ask for the three again. That back and forth is just inefficient. And it's inefficient for us, which means you're, I mean, at the end of the day, our clients are going to pay for our inefficiencies. Mm -hmm. They have to, or that or we're going to make any money. Um, and so we want to be efficient. We want to do a good job. We want to make money. 
and we want the client to get good information in a timely manner. So all those things kind of matter. Um, the more information you can give us on the front end, the better. Um, our processes are designed around um, trying to do things in an efficient way for a, a group of clients, not just one client. And so format matters, timing matters. Um, what we're asking for when we ask for it is important. Yeah, another thing that I think is important to understand for small business owners is that our our ability to produce quality work is dependent upon their ability to communicate well to us. And so if, you know, we're sitting here, you know, producing, uh, you know, re re rebuilding a check register or whatever it may be, and you knew, hey, you know what, I went and spent $40,000 on a new piece of equipment and you didn't really bother to tell anybody that's going to have a, an impact on our ability to produce good work, which is ultimately going to have an impact on your ability to make good decisions. And yeah, so, they can only see there is people trading off cars, right? So they, they have a vehicle that they're used for work. Oh, we didn't trade it off. Great, you have a new note. Well, I see the note, new note payment, but I don't know what you bought, and I don't know what you got rid of, and I don't know the deal. And, you know, did you pay sales tax on that deal? Is that, you know, that's deductible. What about the car you traded in? Was that already depreciated or was it not? Like all those things go into the decision, but you didn't even ask, nor did you tell. So, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Our, our default is we would rather know everything and let us filter through what is necessary than not know anything and miss something. Yeah. It's, we don't want to go. It's hard to find the needles in the haystack sometimes. So that is important. Um, you know, this is not a meant to, this session is not supposed to be a beat up of a client, but the reality of it is, is our clients don't even, they don't realize necessarily what we do. So it's part of our job is to educate them, which is what we're talking about today. But just the, don't be afraid to ask questions because yeah. I mean, it's amazing how often your question can lead to our question back and which triggers something else. So it's important for us to know what you got going on. Our goal is always to educate. We, we, we like. It starts there having conversations with our clients about what they're doing and what they're trying to do and how they're going to go about getting there. And we really do believe that it's our team's job to be able to educate you guys out there about the financial implications, specifically from an accounting standpoint, of what's going on inside of your company. If, you know, if, if you're making a decision, hey, I'm going to buy this half million dollar piece of equipment, don't you think it makes sense to run that by your accountant to determine you know, this, is, this is what could be an effect of that? that you didn't even really think about necessarily, or there's a way to structure that in a way that's more advantageous towards you. Mm -hmm. um, all of those things start with a conversation. And a lot of times we just don't know what's going on until it's been brought up. Because think about it like this. When, when we're looking at your books, it is from the perspective of this is what happened last week or last month. It's never, this is, you know, we can't. What's about to happen. Yeah, we, we, we're not fortune tellers. And so if something has already happened, then sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes it's, it could be too late to really structure that in a way that is the most advantageous. Um, and so we don't know what's going on unless somebody says, hey, Mike, we're thinking about doing this. What, you know, what does that look like? Yep. Uh, yep. Um, we've had that happen. You know, we have some great clients that have done this great. Um, one comes to mind real, real quick is an optometrist that we've been serving for years. Um, as his practice has grown, he always kind of talks through, here's what I'm thinking about doing as far as equipment or purchases or hiring or, um, you know, he's, he's come up with new ways, new equipment for him to both generate revenue from, but also it, it creates a more efficient process in his business of how to see patients more efficiently. Um, he 
basically pays for that equipment with new services. And so um, we talked through the math. You know, he, we, we, he, we recommend he purchase it, and we talk about the depreciation rules are going to happen on that piece of equipment. What is it from a tax standpoint? What is he going to charge for the service? How many people does he think he can see? So we can kind of give him some really realistic numbers of what that ROI on that machine is going to be. And it could be uh, that machine's going to pay for itself in six months. Go ahead and do it. Or it's going to take you 17 years to pay off that machine. And it's going to pay itself in 30 years. You're not going to, it's not worth it. Don't do that. And we've had a couple of cases of both. And also we've talked to him about his inventory management. We talked about him, um, you know, his prescription and non-prescription uh, uh, accessories and stuff that they have in the stores. All those things are part of a conversation we need to be having with clients. You know, the more questions you ask, you know, the more we can, you know, a widget sometimes is a widget. So we can kind of talk through the, the running of your business. In addition to what's the mechanics of if I buy this, what's the tax impact? Yeah, tax is a byproduct. But what about how do you make money doing that? Yeah. Yeah. And that it's, it's always enjoyable. I know for me, and, I, and there's a lot, almost everybody on our team, if not everybody, enjoys those conversations because it, on our end, it gets us out of the daily grind of I'm sitting Here's in front of the computer, type, 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 type. And to, to have somebody pick up the phone and say, hey, Mike, what do you think about XYZ? It, it, it's, there's a lot of value that comes with correct, that. Correct. It's showing that you care, that you, you believe that what we're doing is adding value to your organization. It shows that you're actually looking at the stuff that we're doing and that we're providing. Um, and it's, it's just a good change of pace. And so we welcome those calls. We welcome those emails to say, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm thinking about. Um, you know, help me understand this. Or, you know, if I was to do this, what would that look like over here? Um, let us be a part of those conversations because it's ultimately helpful for you, but it's also selfishly a little bit enjoyable for us. Yeah. I mean, the, the, there's so much um, regulatory, I'll say regulatory type work or due date driven work that we have to do that has to get done. That's the blocking and tackling of our business, the, your payroll taxes and your sales tax and the we produce a monthly financial statement, your income tax returns, all the different licensing and stuff that we help you with on a monthly basis. That stuff is stuff that we have to do the blocking and tackling where our value really always comes in into, you know, we look at our value is that first thing is the peace of mind. The second piece is the really the part we, how do we help you make more money and keep more of it? That's the goal we want to have. Everything else is really just the stuff that we have to do on time, right? Every single time for you to, operate your business, but that's not where the value necessarily comes in. There's peace of mind. There's value in the peace of mind. Don't get me wrong, but how do we, how do we really enhance it? We want to be more than just that. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's get into some tactical stuff about what some of the questions that we get on uh, an ongoing basis. We're going to start with this. Um, A lot of times we'll get a, a question come in from a client that is something along the lines of, Hey, you know what? I'm thinking about opening another bank account or um, I feel like it's a good idea to have bank accounts at multiple banks or whatever. Yep. What is your recommendation or suggestion? If I'm a small business owner, um, how many bank accounts should I have? Should I, should I spread them out over multiple places? What does that look like? Yep. Um, got two methods. Um, uh, we'll have a, a, a nonprofit first client, and we'll talk about profit first just a little bit. Um, a nonprofit first client, what that means is, hey, look, you know, I am not running through a methodology of managing my money through my bank accounts every period. Um, from a tactical standpoint, if I'm a service-based business, um, I believe that you should have, a, a, here's the account that you should have. I think you should have an operations account. I think you should have a savings account that you're saving your tax money in that is not easily accessible, but easily, easily to move money into and out of. 
I'm a big fan of recurring drip type um, money movement. So either coming up with a weekly number that you can draw out of your account or a biweekly or a monthly number, but making it where it's kind of set and forget it. That way you don't have to go back and think through, okay, did I save enough for taxes? Inevitably, you know, it's one of those things where you won't save enough and next thing you know, you're rolling your hole. So putting that mindset and savings ac across the board. Um, I'd also like to have, um, um, I, we, we have, we had a long time with petty cash account that everybody in our office would have access to a small account for small things to buy. We've now gone to a company credit card just because we couldn't have that many cards anymore. But if you're a small business with only three or four or five employees, it's perfectly fine to have a petty cash account that everybody has a debit card access to. You put a couple hundred dollars in it and it's an easy way to manage your expenses. Um, and then the, you know, I, I personally believe that you're, you should bank where you where your business bank and your personal bank should be in the same bank and you should be able to transfer money um, accordingly. If you're, if you're a partnership or an LLC that your tax is a partnership, it's important. If you are a S corp or a corp, it's not as important because you're going to draw a paycheck and your paycheck can be direct deposited no matter where you are, but you know, keep your business account separate from your personal account. Um, and then we talked about a tax savings account. I'd have another savings account, an operational a savings account of some kind. Um, and that way, I'd, I'd want to start the, the mindset that I'm at least putting three, start with three months of expenses aside um, for the rainy day. Um, you know, anything the pandemic should have told us that cash reserves is, is super important. And three months would not have been enough right now for a lot of businesses. But it's a start, you know, three, three months expenses is a lot of expenses for a lot of small businesses. But you have that goal. Uh, of putting that much aside, and you, in long term, you probably want to get that up to six months. But a good starting point is three. If you're a profit first business, it's a whole other ball game. You're going to manage your money through the movement of funds, and so um, they actually recommend uh, starts with five accounts, and you have an operations account, um, and that's where you pay all your bills, normal operating bills from. You have an income account; all inbound money comes into one account. You have a tax account uh, that is your percentage of your um, uh, allocated uh, revenue in that you want to assign to taxes. You have an owner's pay account, which is your owner's compensation that is supposed to be your paycheck. Then you have what's called a profits account. The profits account is the money you move first. Um, obviously, the, the book name of the book is Profit First, so that's why they kind of talk about that. But the idea behind that is if you're not working off of a, I want to make this much money and work backwards to the amount of money that's in, then it's easy for the, you feel like you only get the leftovers and that's not what we're trying to do. We're not trying to get the leftovers, we're trying to get the- Profits first. The, the profit first. Which is yeah. the, the math there is what income minus profits equal expenses. Correct, and that you manage your expenses based on what everything else is, what's really available, not, hey, I had all this money available, I had these expenses, what's left for me. And so it's, hey, I wanna make X percent. And they do a lot with percentages. And so let's just say we're gonna put 10% of every dollar to profit, 10% every dollar to taxes, 10% every dollar to uh, my own pay that leaves seventy percent for expenses, and that's how it would work. Yeah. Um, and so that's simple math there, obviously. But and we help uh, clients with that math to figure out what the percentages need to be. We have some clients that are on profit first, some that are not. We internally use it, um, and I I enjoy it. Uh, I think it helps me. I'm not a, a saver by nature, um, and so it helps me kind of understand what my true numbers need to be and kind of work backwards from there. The one thing that you mentioned about the you know you're moving the money on a somewhat recurring basis, whether that's weekly mm -hmm. or monthly or whatever, it helps you stay connected to the cash flow of the mm -hmm. business. Cash flow is super important and it's not typically measured in most of the financial statements you're looking at on a monthly basis. 
necessarily, you know, income statement, uh, balance sheet type stuff. But it's super critical to make sure that you're actually going to survive. Truly understand the the, how your money, f- you do not understand your business until you understand how the cash flow flows through it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I just want to point out a couple of things there. Everything that you just talked about was really based on, at least on for the, the kind of the first part of the nonprofit first companies, the bank account strategy, if you want to call it that, is really about ease. It's to make things as simple as possible. You do not need 800 different bank accounts to operate your company. Um, it, it gets to be too much for actually anybody forgot, to manage. I actually forgot one. We recommend that you put your payroll account in a separate account as well. You want to keep your, particularly if you're not just issuing direct deposits, because you'll have checks that are written off your payroll account. And it is the most insecure thing you possibly could have as a, as a check. You have a routing number and account number on the bottom of every check, which is a free for all for anybody who wants to go out to anywhere and buy anything. Um, so we'd recommend putting a payroll account uh, in, into effect for actually both profit and nonprofit first. Yeah. Keep your payroll, like you know what your money is going to be for payroll money, move that money over to payroll. Keep it aside and go from there. Sorry, I forgot about yeah. that one. Yeah. And so uh, don't try to make your bank set up more complicated than it needs to be. If you have to go and run from, you know, uh, branch A to branch B just to make a simple transfer, um, you, you're, you're wasting time on something that doesn't mm-hmm. is typically not going to have a lot of value. One thing I, I did see, um, there was a restaurant, I forget who it was, here in town that did their, their normal bank that they operate everything out of was relatively far away from where their actual restaurant was. And so they opened up a small account at the bank that was like next door to just for their managers to be able to make cash drops in. Um, I thought that was, you know, that, 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 that there's it a functional a purpose as you there. Get, as you get out of one area, you may like say if we were here in Memphis and we have a bank, you know, a bank we work with here, but then we move, we have a office we opened up in Colorado, for instance. Well, that bank's not there. We have a different issue. And so um, now in today's world, in our world, that wouldn't really be a problem because we'd have a remote capture machine and we wouldn't actually have to have a physical branch and we don't get cash. That's not a problem for us. But I'm a restaurant. That could be a problem. Um, A lot of times you can get um, non-related banks to connect through online still. Yeah. And we've seen that. Yeah. There's, uh, there's There's always needs to be a functional purpose behind having a different bank yeah, account. Yeah, and, and different industries have some different needs too. So like if you are a restaurant, we actually recommend a house account. So that would be a way for your managers and teams to have money. We don't want them taking money out of the till. We want them to, if they need to go buy something for a COD, for instance, or they need, um, you know, some repairman has to show up at the office, they have to pay a check that day. We want them right out of a house account, not off the operating account and not off of out of the till. That We don't want to do paid outs if we can all avoid it. Yeah, we want to be able to track everything as cleanly as we possibly can. And that run through an actual account is uh, allows us to do that a lot easier. Correct. I mean, the big the big point of all this is though is these are conversations you need to be having with your accountant. You know, um, when we bring a new client on board as part of our initial strategy session, these are conversations that we have. Um, we want to understand the purpose of every account they have, the the how they manage their own cash internally, and then um, how do we make that simpler for them? Because if it's if it's at all complicated, it's going to end up messing up. Also, remember in our world. Every bank account's another reconciliation has to happen. You know, if we, if we have to worry about which check we write this type of expense from, that becomes a challenge. And so the whole idea of all this is how do we keep it simple? Um, simple is always, you know, if we can keep it simple, that's our goal. Yeah. Cash flow shouldn't be complicated it shouldn't to be complicated, no. And if, it, if you're spending a lot of time just managing the overall cash,
cash of, of where, not necessarily getting in the door, that's a different story, but where it's at, which bank account it's at, then there's probably a conversation there to make that simpler. Correct. Uh, because it should not be difficult for you to have to worry about, all right, I got all my dollars over there in that bank account, but all my checks are coming out of this bank account, and now I got to go move money and transfer funds. It's, let's not make things uh, that complicated. True. Um, here's another thing that uh, I, I think that um, every accountant wishes that you knew. I want you to go back, for, you know, if you ever took a, a business course or accounting course in college or high school or even just some online quick finance course or whatever it may be, um, and you can remember back in the day of sitting in an accounting 101 type course, and they start to draw little T-charts and talk about debits and credits and how everything moves through. Um, I want you to remember how difficult those courses could have been for you, All right? It is not the same thing uh, as being an expert in Accounting 101 just to go buy QuickBooks. Um, you know, if you are a business owner out there and you say, you know what, I don't really need an accountant because I took an accounting class in college and now I have QuickBooks and it, it's my accountant, it does all the stuff for me, please know that um, respectfully, you're just simply wrong. QuickBooks is a great tool. Um, it, it does a lot of cool stuff and it's super useful. But me saying that I'm an accountant because I know how to use QuickBooks is, is the same as me saying I'm a master carpenter because I know how to swing a hammer. Yep. Those two things are not the same. Uh, and we see a lot of times people that have been managing their own books for quite some time simply because, you know, maybe they um, just, that's how they started out and they've grown to the point now where it doesn't make sense or, or whatever it is. And we get those sets of books and we start to look through them and it's, oh my goodness, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, they uh, made things a lot harder than usually needs to be. Yeah. They don't have a system uh, that they're using. And you get be... no useful information out of it. Correct. Um, Which is the whole point. And so your, your accountant is, should be, if they're, if they're worth their weight, um, they should be able to look at your stuff from a more strategic standpoint other than the tactical, I wrote a check and this is how I write a check inside of QuickBooks. Because um, all of that information flows somewhere um, to ultimately, hopefully anyway, if you got things set up correctly, a financial statement that's going to tell you exactly what's going on. Uh, and it's, it's really important to understand just because you have QuickBooks, doesn't mean that you're actually using it correctly. And so if you come see us, um, um, that first conversation that we have where it's, hey, let's take a look at your QuickBooks file, it may turn into, oh my goodness, what let's are you talk doing? about this, this is more. not right. <laughs> um, yep. So our starting point usually is some basic education on why we have our financial setup the way we do, what our, um, we have a standard chart of account that we use across the firm that we then modify for each industry and each client a little bit as they need to. Um, we want to make sure that we're capturing and measuring what matters and what can materially make an impact on their business if, they, if it's controllable. Um, so we often see people like, I have my telephone expense broken into 47 different categories. Okay, what are they? Well, you know, at long distance and prepaid cards and cell phone. I'm like, are you going to turn any of that stuff off? Well, no. Okay, well then, it telephone. Doesn't it does, it's just telephone expense. It doesn't need to be broken down 700 categories. Now, Hey, look, we have cell phone money going over here for these 14 salespeople. And we're like, okay, we may need to track our, track our marketing telephone versus our operational telephone expenses. So we know, hey, look, we, are, we have a large expense going out to our marketing team for cell phone service. What does that look like and why? Can we do something better with that? That may be something we want to manage. So we, we can track that and talk about those things as we, as we do it. But um, it is often, you know, you start talking about reviewing the financial statement with a client. 
And we want to just make sure to go through the basics with them, understanding their margins, understanding how they think they make money versus what we're seeing in the books. Um, what expenses can they actually look at, evaluate, monitor, and then, you know, actually make decisions based off of. If it's just capturing basic expenses that, we, that all businesses have, I want to know what you're paying on your utility bill, but I don't need to have it broken up between gas, water, sewer, electric. It doesn't matter. It's just a utility bill. Mm -hmm. I can't control it. Yeah. And, and if, if you have a bunch of accounts that you're tracking stuff to, at some point, you can't, can't see the forest through the trees. And man, I, you know what? I got 84 different telephone lines, and I don't know what any of that stuff actually means. Correct. And so now my, my, maybe my income statement or my P&L is 84 pages long. Correct. And it's just not usable at that point. And so we want to be able to track those expenditures in categories that actually makes sense and that, that you can pull the levers on to, to actually control. Um, and so, uh, you know, a, a good accountant would hopefully be able to do that. Uh, and I know that's something that we do here pretty well, uh, pretty regularly. Yeah. I mean, the, the big thing with financial statements, you know, so we are, I'm a believer that every client that we work with on a monthly basis should have a monthly financial statement that they actually look at and review and ask questions on. And we should be asking questions of them and they should be asking questions of us. We should be giving them insight into those financials every month that we can. We, we, we do that as part of our normal delivery process. But, it, it, but the whole point of this is actually to look at them and then ask questions on them because uh, you may not have any questions. It could be what you're expecting, but you know, we would make sure that, you know, our, it, do you understand what a balance sheet is and why we, well, why we track that? You know, that makes sure that we understand, hey, we haven't missed an account. You have money spending in the right place. Who owes you money? Who do you owe money to? You know, what, you know, what assets did you buy? Did you go out and buy a new piece of equipment this month? I'd like to make sure we have that. What's that a, tells me that. What's a question that you wish some of our clients would ask more? Um, I wish they understood their margins more, which I don't know if that's a question, but I think I wish they understood how they made money. And I think they probably all get to the extent somehow they made money, but I want to see if I can put that to paper. Hey, you think you're charging a, 50% markup on all your products. That's great. Your margins tell me you're making 32%. So you're not making it on all your products. Where are you not making it that you think you are? I, you know, and, and we get to a restaurant, for instance, and they start talking about my food labor cost are 55%. I mean, that's, that's what you think they are, but they're really showing me they're 65%. Well, why is that? Well, you didn't consider these other four things into that cost. Oh, well, I didn't. You're, you're right. Well, yeah, that's, 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 that's 10% just went away. Um, we want to make sure we're really dialing into their margins. And the rest of the stuff becomes a byproduct, right? I want, to, I want to measure what I can control, and I want to make sure they're evaluating it very hard because yeah. that's all we're, that's where we make our money. We make our money with our controllables. Um, um, we, we also have a tendency to um, – they, they, we, we have to make sure we're picking up all the different things they're really spending. You know, so when they open up another credit card or they get another loan or they get another line of credit, we should make sure we have a good handle on all those pieces, and they have to do a, job, a good job of communicating that to us so that we don't miss it. You know, make sure we understand where all the pieces go, not just some of the pieces. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Um, well, you know, there is, a, I would guess, there's a lot of other stuff that we wish we could tell you and, and things that we wish uh, our clients understood better. And a lot of that's just simply, you know, we got to do a better job on our end of educating and, and talking and explaining and all of that type of stuff, which is ultimately our goal. And so, um, you know, if you're out there and you have an accountant that's just really struggling to keep up with, with anything or you don't have, feel like you can't ask those questions, 
um, you know, let us know. We'd be glad to talk to you about it. But more importantly, or I guess more specifically, if you're one of our clients and you felt like you haven't been, uh, had the opportunity to ask some questions, now's the time. Let us know um, what, what you're thinking, the things that you wish you could have asked. Like Matt said, um, we're here to help you uh, get educated about your financials, about how we see things moving through your company. And if there's ever a situation in which uh, you, you have a question, you haven't been able to ask it, we would love for you to ask that question. Because, uh, like I said, it's going to help our day get you, better. <laughs> you understanding your numbers improves your business, which means, end of the day, you're hitting your goals, which is what our goal is. You know, we want to help you get better. And if yeah. we can't get you better, we, we don't know what you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. We've got to have that, that feedback, two-way street communication is always, yep. uh, always important. So yep. um, that's, that is what we wish you knew in a nutshell. Um, let's, uh, let's wrap things up. So last week, we had a conversation around outsourcing. And so Shelby was actually up here with me, and mm -hmm. we talked a little bit about um, how to outsource, when to outsource, why you should outsource, all those things. Um, and one of the questions that came in after that episode, and I'm curious to hear kind of your feedback, I would guess that I could peg your answer, <laughs> but I want to let you give it a first shot. Um, if, you, if you were looking at your stuff and you decided, you know what, there are some things I do need to, to take off my plate and, and to push onto somebody else. How do you find a company or a person to push that off to? What, what are some tactical ways to actually go find people to outsource stuff to? Um, if I'm looking to outsource different services traditionally, I go to first um, peers of mine who may or may not be using something similar to that. I want to go get reputable referral to a service provider that I know someone else trusts, and then I want to get as many of those different people as I possibly can and interview as many of those people as I possibly can. I also will do as much research as long as I can do myself. That's just my own nature. And then um, I will uh, start reading. I'll start trying to find out you know, who, who the reputable leaders are in the area that I'm in or the, the you know, we've, we've tried to outsource marketing before. We've outsourced um, IT, all those things. We start, you know, we do a decent job of looking first for though for referral. Yeah. Yeah. What it's, you say? Uh, I, yeah, I, that's, that was what I would have yeah, guess you said. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's probably somebody in your network that has done this before and just asking them who they use, who they didn't use, why is important. Um, Google is your friend here. Uh, you know, you can find out a lot of stuff just by Googling whatever and, and coming up with answers there. Um, ultimately, though, when you decide to do something, my only suggestion would be um, if you decide that, that you know, you, I'm going to outsource marketing or IT, whatever it is. Um, don't just find one person and, and, and go, you know, put them through the ropes, go find three to five reputable vendors who you think are in the same space and have the detailed conversations with each of them to determine what they're going to do, what's it going to cost, what that scope is, what they're not going to do. Find all your blind spots, get as thorough as possible. Because if you've ultimately decided that you need to outsource something, essentially what you're saying is this is something valuable to my organization. But I just, it's not my wheelhouse. It's not where I have a set of expertise or I don't have the time for, but it's still valuable to get done. And so don't just, you know, pass that off to the first person that says they could do it for you. Um, you know, compare and contrast, figure out what, uh, what it is that you are actually going to be missing. And in those conversations, things are going to come up that you didn't even quite think about. Questions are going to get asked that you never even realized. And it's ultimately going to help you make a better decision. Um, but then when you find that person, pull the trigger, go all in and yep. keep on moving. I mean, you, you have to know what you're looking for, you know, what they, you know, try to get past all the salesy stuff, like get yeah. to the nuts and bolts of things. Um, find out, you know, 
ask ask for customer testimonials. Have them have them give you a true referral. We've had a, we've done this where we've actually brought clients into our world and had them sit down with a client without us in the room and ask the question they want to ask. For our, you know, we had those are very large deals for us, and those deals turned out to be great because we got can they got candid feedback from a client of ours and. You know, it's the good, bad, and ugly. We want the good, bad, and ugly. We're not perfect, and I would think that most businesses would say the same thing. But if we care and we're trying to do things the right way, um, everything's correctable, and uh, we, we have the intent of trying to help them get better. Yeah, very good. Well, thanks, guys, for listening. Really appreciate it. Uh, whether you're on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, wherever you're seeing us, we really appreciate you joining us today. Uh, remember to click subscribe so that you don't ever miss an episode, and we'll always just show up in your feed ready to go next one up. And so thanks for, uh, for, for joining us. Remember, if you have a question about anything that we've talked about today or in past podcasts, feel free to send us a question. You could do it to uh, email us to one step better at patrickaccounting.com. We'll get that. And again, if we use your question on the air, like we have uh, here in the past few weeks, we'll send you some swag. So get those questions in and we'll be glad to help you guys out as much as we possibly can. So thanks everybody and have a great day.